Okay, so here, a uh, little, little uh, story from my life. I have a car, okay, that I love. Um, I love this car very much. Um, it is a blast to drive this car, and if there was ever a car that fit my personality, it's this car. Um, what, what I want to be very clear about as you give your tithes and offerings is that my car is not new, and it is not fancy. Um, it's a 2006 VW Beetle, but yes, uh, one woo from the crowd, I, I, I know. Um, but, but this car has three things that I love. Um, first of all, it has a convertible top. Um, it has a great sound system, and it has an oversized engine, okay? Instead of four cylinders, it's got five cylinders. And, and I, I just want you all to know, I just want to be honest, when I take that top down and I crank my music up and I put the pedal to the floor, I just feel free. I feel alive. I mean, and, and there have been people, some of y'all pulled up to me next at the stoplight when I'm driving this car, and you're like, oh my gosh, that is our pastor singing at the top of his lungs. Put the top up. Um, but here's the dilemma, okay? The problem is this car uh, has been sitting in my driveway for six weeks. Or no, not six weeks. It's been sitting in the driveway for six months. For six months, my favorite car I've ever had has been in the driveway. And there's not that much wrong with my car. It's just that I got to get some stuff done to it. I need to do some things to it, and I need to take it to a shop to get some things done to it. And lately, I just, I haven't had the time to do it. I haven't had the money to do it. And so it's just sat there since early fall. So in light of that, I want to invite the ushers back up. And we're, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I've actually seen pastors do stuff like that. But, um, but, but so, okay, so, so, so here's this thing in my life, right? It's no big deal. C'est la vie. Such is life. You know, it, it just kind of is what it is. You think I'd be okay with this. Not the world's biggest deal. But I found over the last couple of months, this car in my driveway is really getting to me. It's really started getting to me. See, number one, it's inconvenient. But, but the other thing is, I just miss my wheels. And so here I am, spring is approaching, the open road is calling, and I've gotten, y'all, seriously, I've gotten to the place with this car where I don't even look at it anymore, I feel so bad. You know, like, I go out in the morning, I just kind of walk past it, and I'm like, I, you know, I, I just feel like it looks to me and just goes, hey, fella, I thought we were a team, I thought we were special. And so, you know, but, but, but here is this car in my driveway. But even more than it's just in my driveway, the car has actually become a symbol of my life. Um, it has become a metaphor for, for actually where your pastor is right now. I feel like in my life, I, my, I have just been up on blocks. I, I don't know if you ever feel like that spiritually. You know, we're never supposed to. In church, you know, we've all got it together. Everybody's doing great. I feel like spiritually, I've just been up on blocks. You know, I, I feel like my battery is dead. I am in a season of my life where I feel like I'm on a road to nowhere. I am just parked at the end of life's driveway, just, just stuck there. And I want you to know, I don't want you to worry, you know, there's nothing physically wrong um, in my life. There's nothing materially wrong, you know, nobody's in the hospital, um, you know, nobody's going to bankruptcy court. There's nothing like that. My, my issues are internal. Steve, Steve is at a spiritual and an emotional, just empty, dead place. And I, I'll tell you, I, I'll be a little more articulate than that, a little more specific. In my mind, part of the problem, part of the fault here, it lies with God. God has not been meeting my expectations lately. Now, now here's the key phrase here. 
I started with in my mind, okay? That's very important to hold that. But, you know, I'm just in a place where, you know, lately God is not meeting my expectations. There, there are flowers that I feel like ought to be blooming in ministry. They're just not blooming right now, you know? There is fruit that I want to, I want to taste, and it's just not the season for it right now. And the other part of my problem, the other part of my problem is people. There are people in my life that are really not meeting my expectations, you know? I mean, folks around me and in my life that I feel like ought to be grateful, they ought to be happy, they ought to be embracing one another. Instead, they're bitter, they're, they're, they've been very petty, very offended, and, and really going into isolation. And so you, you take those two things, you know, God, come on, people, come on. You know, you take those two, you put them together, and you insert them into a ministry, being a senior pastor that is very labor-intensive, you know, it just is for every senior pastor, and all of this, for me, feels unbearable. And so here I am last week, for some of y'all who ran into me and went, oh my gosh, I am worn out, I'm tired, I'm ragged, and, and, and I said to myself just the other day, Okay, I can't believe I said this, but I said, heavy lies the head that wears the crown. <laughs> and I could, I could just see the angels in heaven going, oh my gosh, this guy's turned into a king in this scenario, you know? But, but I found myself saying that, and I found myself just feeling like Elijah in 1 Kings 18, where he says, Lord, I am the only prophet left. Baal has 450 stacked against me, and it's just me, Lord. And so, so here's the thing. That is the microscopic view of my life as I gaze into my own navel, okay? <laughs> and even as I begin to pull back, I realize that everything I am feeling, the, you know, all these judgments and perceptions that I've declared are so true, it's all a crock, you know? It's all just a bunch of self pitying drivel, and I'll tell you why. Here's why. Because Steve Keller is not the only person on planet Earth who has heartaches, hassles, and hard times. I mean, we, we can all say, you know, that, Steve, I get it. I feel that way sometimes, you know, with my children, with, with uh, my spouse, with my job, with my money, sometimes with my church. As, as I go to vote for primary, sometimes I feel like that with, with my nation. We all feel this way. Sometimes life gets hard, it gets heavy, and we just find ourselves saying, God, my neck hurts from all this weight on my head. It's just too much to bear. And, and Lord, I have done everything I can to deal with this. You know, I've adjusted, I, I, I've tried to fix this, you know, I've tried to be patient, and God, I'm just done inside. I think we've all been there. I think we've all done that. Some of us in the room might be there right now, doing that right now. So welcome to my world. Uh, you know, we'll form a club when this is all, all over. But we, we just get this way. But here's my question. Have you ever noticed how you pray during those times? Have you ever heard yourself pray? Because y'all, in these kinds of seasons in our lives, we tend to pray in a way that is highly effective, that's actually highly biblical, or at least we can if we recognize the power that is in this and lean into it. So I'm going to pull back the curtain, and I want, you, I want you just to join me here 
and, um, and we're just going to investigate this, okay, and try and dive into it fully. Now, here is where it all begins when we're in this place. First of all, it begins with a clear understanding of who God is. This is critical. Understanding who God is in these moments, y'all, it, it, it can be powerful for us. Now, there are many names for God in the Bible. Does everybody agree? Have you ever looked through the names of God? The list is gigantic, but there is one name that stands out, okay? There's one name that rises above all the best. There is one name that describes God beautifully. This name is also used most often in Scripture for God, and the one name is Father. Father. People call God Father all over the Bible. From the beginning to the very end, it's Father, 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 especially when they cry out, especially when they're in these, these seasons. Bible is used, or, or Father is used everywhere in the Bible. In fact, Jesus himself, in the book of John, you, does anybody want to guess how many times Jesus calls God Father in John? Good. 118 times. 118 times in one book. And so Scripture says back to us, when you want to know who this God is, He is Father towards you at all times. He is the Father. And then John tells us, speaking of the book of John, he tells us what kind of a Father God is. In 1 John 3, 1, listen to, listen to what he says. He says, see, and this is us, Open our eyes. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. John is pointing to the absolute eternal truth that God is a Father who lavishes us with love. You know what lavishes mean? Lavish means to pour out. It means to heap upon. It means literally to shower us. This is our Father. He, he just lavishes us with love like this. And y'all, He does it at all times. Now, that's good news, but there's a reality we have to put up against this. And the reality we have to put up against it is we live in a fallen world. Y'all, this world that we live in, it is ravaged by sin. There is a darkness that is unnatural. It was not meant to be here. And it affects our lives. It affects our relationships. It affects what we do. It affects how we are. There is a darkness in this fallen world. And, and listen, I have to go ahead and tell us this, all right, all of us. God is not going to pull out a magic wand and wave it over the world and over our lives and turn us and everything around us into happy fun land, you know? He's not. Now, could he do it? Absolutely. But we discover in the Word of God that is not his plan. That isn't God's plan. Instead, God's plan is to transform us in the midst of this world. God's plan is to do something beautiful and wonderful and rich and real in us, his creatures, his creation. And I'll tell you this. God uses, gulp, God uses heartaches, hassles, hardships, and struggles to do that. He uses those in our lives to do something beautiful. Now, thank God that's not the only, that's not the only tool in his belt, right? That is not, you know, okay, here it is, time to work on you, here's another problem. That's not all God uses, but he has chosen to use hardship and, and hassles. It's one of the consistent ways that he grows us up. 
It's, it's one of the ways that he shapes us. It, it's one of the ways that, that he just takes this image of God thing and he makes it a reality for us. And I've been meditating on all of that during my season, right? During the season I've had. Here's something else I've been meditating on from Scripture, and this is beautiful. I've been letting this guide me in my prayer during this personal pity party time of mine. Uh, it's Romans 8, 14 through 17. Listen to this. For those of you who are led by the Spirit of God, you are the children of God. The Spirit you received doesn't make you into slaves so that you live in fear all over again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit of God testifies with our spirit that we are children. And if we are children, then you know what else we are? We are heirs. We are heirs of God, and we are co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings. Some of what we're going through, right? In order that we may also share in His glory. Now, in, I think, everybody's Bible, I think every translation, the heading to this, this passage of Scripture, it's a long block beginning in, in 8.1, he- we all have the same heading in our Bible, and the heading is life in the Spirit, okay? Every Christian wants life in the Spirit, okay? Does anybody not want life in the Spirit, right? We signed up for life in the Spirit. We want to be full of the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to walk in the Spirit. We want to have the mindset of the Spirit. We want to have the heart set of the Spirit, right? especially in hard times. Y'all, we all want it. What, the thing about Romans 8 is it tells us how to get there. It tells us how to, how to access this and, and to stay here. It tells us, first of all, the four verses I focused on, these four verses tell us over and over again, okay, it's repeated in every verse, that we are the children of God. Sons, heirs, children, okay? And what, what these four verses are doing is they are driving the Father children point in, okay? It's driving this point in like a hammer drives a nail in saying, you are children of God. God is your father. Who's your daddy? Your daddy is God. Over and over and over, it's driving that point in. But right in the middle of these four verses, we discover what kind of children we are, all right? It says, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, all right? And there it is. That's what kind of children we are. Uh, centuries ago, translators took the word Abba and they said, okay, Abba means, Abba means father. That's good, and it's actually right, but it's not quite correct, okay? It, it, it's missing a little something. Um, a few decades ago, more modern-day translators, they took a look at Abba and said, you know what? We're missing the intimacy in, in this, we're, we're kind of missing the feel of this. So, a better translation, and it is a better translation of Abba, is Daddy, right? It kind of captures the type of children we are, and that's closer, but it's actually still a little bit off. The best, and you can even look at the word behind me, okay, the word Abba, look at, look at the word and how it's put together. There's actually a better translation for Abba. Believe it or not, it's Dada, Okay? Or, if you want to go with the word literally, it's, it's ada. Now, it might sound like I'm splitting hairs here, but I think it's really important because dada and ada really points to the age of the child. Who says dada? Yeah, who, who says ada? 
right? An older baby or a very young toddler. Don't be insulted, okay? This is, this is good stuff, all right? I believe Romans 8.15 is saying, look, the best way for us to pray and connect with our Father, even when we're distressed in life, maybe especially, is like the baby that we are in verse 15. By the Spirit, it says, we do what? We say, da-da. No, we cry, da-da, or we cry, ada. And before you write that off, you know, well, I don't know about this, as a thin stretch, look down to verse 22, or look on the screen at verse 22. Listen to this. We know that the whole creation... It has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now, what Paul is saying is, look, life down here for us in a fallen world, sometimes it's kind of like childbirth, you know? Childbirth can be agonizing. Well, it is agonizing. I have it on good authority. It is quite agonizing, right? All of creation feels like a mother giving birth. That's typically the way we take this, you know? Yes, it's like a mother giving birth. I think that's accurate. I think we can stay within that. But there's only one problem with that analogy. That analogy really only applies to about half the population. Uh, it, it only applies to those who have given birth, right? The rest of us, do we understand it? Now, we think we do. By the way, have you ever heard, have you ever heard men talk about childbirth and how tough it is? Oh, man, let me tell you, that childbirth, that is one tough gig. What happens when we do that, right? The women say to us, you know what, you need to can it, buster, you have no idea what you're talking about, okay? Let's, let, you know, stretch marks to prove it. You have no idea, and you know what? They're right. Witnessing childbirth is definitely not the same thing as giving birth, okay? But Tim Keller, he, he looks at this passage and he says, you know, there's actually another point of view that can be considered in this verse. It's actually the viewpoint of the baby, you know, believe it or not, we, this will astound you, we all share the baby's perspective of childbirth, right? If you are in this room, you have been through childbirth. Now, you don't remember it, so l let me go ahead and drop another amazing scientific fact on you. Childbirth is no fun for the baby, okay? Everybody else is having a hallelujah party. Childbirth is not good for the baby, okay? For the baby, it's like, oh my gosh, I seconds ago, minutes ago, I was so warm and so comfortable in there, and now I'm out here, okay? I'm out here. I'm hanging upside down. Some guy in a mask just slapped me, right? Okay? I'm naked. I can't see. Everybody's looking at me. This woman over here has got a tube up my nose. This guy's poking me. What does the baby do? Why? This is terrible. Childbirth stinks for the baby, right? It's just not a good experience. And yet every one of us knows that all of this agony and this discomfort and this inconvenience for this baby, everything that is happening to this child is for the child's good. Oh, Everything, I mean, all this Apgar and all this other stuff, y'all, th this is for the baby's life. This is for the baby's, the, you know, for the baby's health. All bad stuff to the baby, but all of it is for the baby's good. And so Paul here in Romans 8 is saying, look, go ahead, church of God, you saints, you royalty, cry out like the spiritual baby that you really are. When life gets tough, right? 
When, man, when things feel like they're just falling apart, when none of your expectations are being met, when you are hurting, don't, for goodness sake, pray cold, religious, high-minded prayers like, like Jesus refers to in Matthew 15, 8. You remember, he says, look, here's the people. They honor me with their lips, with their royal, pious language, but their hearts, their hearts are far away. That, that can happen to us in times of distress. Oh, God, I just, yes, Lord, yes. I and our hearts are, are miles away just in distress. Or don't join the pagan, you know, the pagan prayer team of Matthew 6. You know, folks that just babble and babble thinking God will hear us because of our many words when life isn't going well, when you're not doing well. Pray from the heart like a child. Open up your troubled heart. Cry out in the midst of your dilemma. In other words, what you're doing in prayer is this. You are running. Run like a baby to your father and get caught up in his embrace. I, I have six children, right? They were all the same. Anytime my kids came to me, and you know they have those moments like, ah, ah, they're just freaking out. Jane or I would scoop them up. And for a while, you know, it's like trying to hold on to an eel. You know, has anyone ever eel fished before? Man, that's some crazy stuff. You know, they're bending back. You know, the kid's flailing and wild. And as you hang in there and you hold them, you don't have to say anything. You know, you don't, you don't have to fix a thing. But as you hold them, what happens? <gasps> they just settle down. They, sometimes they even fall asleep. I've had that happen to me on multiple occasions. But they just settle down because what's happening in that moment is that, the, the, in my case, the father's peace is becoming the child's peace, right? That's the good stuff here. That's the goal of this. And as we get the peace of God, you know, and as we get still, because that's what God's doing, He's just making us still. What happens when we get still? Can anybody remember a verse of Scripture? Be still and what happens? You'll know that I am God. And that's what happens. We get still and suddenly we become aware of so many things. We become aware once again, you know, and as I pull back from that microscope view, I look at my life. I look at all of you. I look at things that they weren't here three years ago, people who weren't here. I look at stories. I look at my own story, and I, I look back, and I realize, you know what, God, I've been, I've been so busy blowing up balloons for my pity party that, that I just miss the fact that you have a perfect plan. You've got a plan, and it's perfect and it's beautiful. I am not who I used to be. We just become aware all over us. God is taking care of us. We also get God's wisdom, you know? We begin to discern His will again. We begin to hear His voice. And hearing God speak, folks, that, that just changes everything. It just, the direction comes back. And you know, when it comes to prayer, isn't that really the goal of prayer anyway? I mean, wouldn't every one of us say, you know what, this is effective prayer, to really connect with God, speaking and knowing He heard me, Him speaking and me hearing Him, just realizing that we have a Father who lavishly loves us at all times, and He has got us, He's taken care of us, and He's doing great things even in the tough times. And so you know what Romans 8 really is for us, along with many other passages in Scripture? Romans 8 is a reminder that prayer, when it comes to prayer in our lives, it is not a speech. Prayer is not a speech. Prayer is an experience with the living God. 
Tim Keller says something else about Romans 8. And he says, he says you know, when I try to understand what this is about, I, I pull back and I realize one thing about prayer. Prayer is not a consumer tool. Prayer is a refiner's fire. And when I pray like this, when I open up and I really enter in, I am shaped and I am molded. You know, the same thing can be said about the thing that comes next in our service, communion. Communion so often in church becomes what prayer can be for us, just something we do and something we're supposed to do. But I want you to know this this morning, communion is not a ritual. Communion is not a consumer tool. Communion is meant to be an experience with the living God for every one of us. Because at the table, and Neil, I'm not going to steal your thunder, but at the table, we're reminded that someone died to give us life. And someone was resurrected so that we would go through this world differently, and we would not only be a part of an army, but we would help to build an army as we go through. And so let me pray for us, and then Neil, I'll turn this over to you. And I thank y'all for indulging me, even though you found out that hey, you know, the pastor's not perfect. I think everybody thought that before this, so now the illusion's broken. Father, we, we worship you and we adore you. And God, this, this whole thing of father and child, Lord, we wrap our arms around that today. And Lord, I know in our culture and in our world, we are told to rise up, we are told to be independent. Father, we are told to be in charge, but God, we are in charge of nothing. We are in control of nothing. Lord, we cannot even manage ourselves. That's the whole point of Jesus Christ coming. And yet, Lord, so often we just get caught in that religious trap where I got to keep the facade up. You know, I, I got to keep my head held high. And Lord, actually the reverse is true that when our hearts are overwhelmed, we're supposed to be led to the rock that's higher than we are. And so, Father, we thank you today for permission to be little children. We thank you that spiritually, we cry out, Lord, if King Solomon can say to you in asking for the one thing, Lord, I am only a child. I can't govern this great nation of yours. Lord, if the king can say it, Father, surely we can say it. And so today we rejoice that we are your children. We rejoice that you are our Abba, our Father, our Daddy, our Dada. And we bless you, Lord God. And we invite, we invite your Holy Spirit to just come and make this so real, this life in the Spirit. And not only to internally make it real, but Lord, to externally make it real. As Shiloh and others prayed this morning, just God, we, Lord, we, we, we long to see heaven manifesting itself in our midst. We long to see you doing what we read about in the Word of God. And Lord, I know even going back to that, that little picture you gave me before the service, God, I need to be pulled into alignment God, I need to get back in the gravitational field and rotate around you exclusively. So, Lord, as we take communion today, we just pray that you would do that, Lord, that through the death and the resurrection of Christ, we would just step right back into rhythm with you, into alignment. We love you, we bless you, and we thank you for permission to walk together in real honesty as the people of God. In Jesus' name, amen.